Hey everybody, it's the Way of Rock podcast with Jeff and Jack on episode 28. And the Way of Rock podcast is sponsored as always by Anchor, where you can make your own podcast. It's an absolutely free app and or website, whichever one you prefer to use. All you have to do is record your podcast and Anchor will do the rest. They'll find distribution, they'll get you on all the major platforms and also find you sponsors and it is absolutely free. Anchor's been treating us all right. What would you, what would you say, Jack? Um, I'm not really in the uh, behind the scenes aspect of it, but from the sounds of it, yes. Um, I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just the pretty face. I don't do all the hard work. So. I see. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not logistics and, uh, and or production. You're, you're just talent, right? Yes. I see. Okay. And until like, true, like true talent, you have zero idea how this all works. Until I become the, uh, the podcast accountant in a, okay. in a few short months. That we are looking forward to. We need somebody to take care of all the tens of dollars that, that we make. The Way of Rock podcast is also sponsored by Third Stage Tees. You can go to thirdstagetees.com, enter promo code TWOR and find yourself a cool t-shirt that one right in the middle, Jack, with the 61 on it. What, what is that to you? I feel like we've talked about this before. We talk um, about it every week. Yes, it's the highway um, that's possibly U.S. In, U.S. Highway in Texas. 61. It is in Mississippi. Actually, it Mississippi. runs through the entire United States. It runs through Missouri. Um, okay. Um, it has where, something to do with the devil. Am I on the right track here? You're getting there. You might okay. have to do some crossroads research before the next show. Highway 61 is where Robert Johnson, the old blues singer, supposedly met the devil and sold his soul so he could become the greatest guitar player ever. It's known as the Crossroads. And it also makes a very cool t-shirt. It's got the little weathered U.S. Highway 61 sign. It just so happens that that is the most popular design over at Third Stage Tees. I don't know why. I don't know why it's not the, well, this is fun t-shirt, which is my favorite but it's the Highway 61. Highway uh, 61. Yeah. Um, I come on here expecting to talk music. I'm not expecting U.S. Highway trivia. It's, um, it's, it's, it's music lore. I don't study the U.S. Highways as much as I probably should. But, it's, uh, it's music lore. It has nothing to do with highways. <laughs> what, what else is oh, no. Robert Johnson? Obviously, he's, he's a legendary blues singer. He, he wrote some, some tunes that were covered by Cream, by Led Zeppelin. He's a, an amazing blues guitar player, but he died young. Can you guess what age Robert Johnson died? I guess 61 is not very young now, isn't it? That's not even close. Um, okay. Well, I, just, I thought it would be interesting if he died at the age of 61, but that's not very young. So it's not that. What, what is the uh, age that, that musicians are known for dying at? I don't know. I don't, um, 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 27. There you go. He's part of the 27 club. He's, he's one of the members that you don't hear anything about. And uh, his death was kind of shrouded in mystery. It's thought that he was murdered but he was also a, a legendary drinker. So it's very what's possible the, that he just drank himself to death. What's the possibility that his um, girlfriend at the time called a hit on him and wanted all of his Nirvana money? <laughs> I mean, uh, Robert Johnson money. 
funny you should say that. Um, He was allegedly murdered because he was he was messing around with a woman who was married. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. And they hate the that. husband of that woman is the alleged murderer, although he was never, he was never captured, charged, tried, anything like that. There's a pretty good documentary. It's very short about Robert Johnson on Netflix. I don't know what it's called, but it, just type in Robert Johnson and, and you'll find it. He's a, he's a fascinating character. The most prepared podcast uh, strikes again. <laughs> and we didn't even have our short production meeting. I was going to ask. <laughs> we are. We're, we're, we're terrible at that. We, we live 400 miles apart or 200 miles. I don't even know how many miles apart we live. But you would think we would spend the five, 10 minutes, you know, getting all of our cameras turned on and whatnot, having a short production meeting. And, and we can't be bothered to do that. So, well, uh, in our defense, I don't think we were expecting to go on the Robert Johnson deep dive here but here we are you know this whole podcast is basically off the top of my head so i I just realized i'm i'm wearing the shirt that i'm wearing in our little picture here you are you're wearing your rock fest t-shirt yes from kansas Um, city rock fest what year is that 2017 2017 wow is that really the last year that we went to rock fest so last year i think they had rock fest is that correct yeah i just didn't realize it was that long ago Obviously, this um, year they wouldn't have one. Yeah, but I, they um, they kind of shut it down they for shut it down. reasons unknown. That's a shame. Well, uh, the word is they couldn't make any money. They were they were selling tickets for like what thirty thirty five bucks. They were cheap, very cheap tickets. Yeah, cheap tickets, one price. Um, you got to see a, a day full of music, top level bands, Godsmack, Sammy Hagar. I mean, the two years that we went, the headliners were Godsmack and Disturbed. Disturbed, um, uh, 6 a.m. played. But then, like, when we were there, we, we would, I would see, like, the previous year shirts, and the headliners were always Always top level. Banging. Slash yeah. was there one year. Oh, Hailstorm was there pretty much every year. So you got to see these top-level bands for 30 bucks. Uh, word was that the attendance was something like 50,000, 55,000 people they would bring into this place selling food, selling t-shirts, whatnot, still couldn't make any money apparently. So I'm curious if the change of venue, um, cause the two years that we went, they went from having it just in like a park in Kansas city to the, uh, KC speedway. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if that, I, I imagine, I want to say it probably would cost more to have it at a racetrack than a park, but I don't yeah, know. And if you remember when we saw it at the racetrack, that was the year that the, uh, there was a, a bombing or a shooting or something like that at a concert in England. I want to say like Ariana Grande or yeah. it was one, Ariana of those, Grande. one of those little pop singers. And that's when all the venues in America started really stepping up security. And remember we had to walk through metal detectors that day. And, and it was funny because the year before when we went, there was zero security. <laughs> that was, I've never seen more whiskey bottles flying through the air than I was saw the, at the first rock fest we went to. Was the year, the first year, the one where they had the uh, bikers doing security, but then you yes. like saw one the entire time? There was one biker that, that we saw. And like we said, there was, there was no security at all. They would pretend to pat us down when we walked in. People were openly just walking around naked, smoking weed, whatever, which 
isn't that unusual at a concert, I guess. Probably more so in the Midwest, especially our little corner of the Midwest. But at Kansas City Rock Fest, it just seemed like anything goes. And and frankly, I, it's, I was cool with it until the whiskey bottles started flying. Then I was like, oh, okay, we got to keep our heads up now. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for, you know, free fun. But yeah, flying glass through the air is, is a little... That's a little iffy in my book. So, hey, hopefully sometime in the future they can figure out a way to bring back Rockfest. Yeah. Um, I see we're jumping right in. No, no, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just, just going to bounce off that, but I'm kind of – now I lost my train of thought. But what I will say is um, I always try to have my, uh, my shirt match up with our uh, topics of the day. And it was a little bit difficult because I'm pretty sure I wore Deftones last time, so I didn't want to do that because we were going to be talking about their new album. So I had to do some uh, connections here. Um, but as you mentioned, Sammy Hagar was uh, at this rock fest, so he's he's on the back here. He's your loose um, connection to our main topic. My loose connection to our main topic, uh, Sir Eddie Van Halen, who is probably not a sir. but I have, right. over the years, accumulated countless Van Halen t-shirts. I am no longer in possession of any of them. I don't know why. I don't know what happened to them. I'm sure there's a bin of concert t-shirts somewhere at a house that I lived in at one time. I do not know where any of them are. However, technology being what it is, I was able to come up with the Van Halen virtual background. So that's, that's what I'm going with in our tribute to Eddie today. So you texted me yesterday let me, first of all, I texted you in the morning because an actor that we both are big fans of passed away yesterday. Yeah. And the actor we were speaking of is Clark Middleton. He plays Glenn on the blacklist. If anyone out there listens to or watches the blacklist, but he passed away yesterday at the age of 63. He contracted West Nile virus. Um, I texted you about it and we, we exchanged the usual, oh, that's sad and, and go on with our day. And then you texted me not even two hours later, probably. And you didn't even say anything. You just texted me Eddie Van Halen. And I immediately knew what you were talking about. And yeah, I, um, I was on Instagram and I saw Eddie uh, Wolfie's post and I was like, I see. Yeah, um, so I figured I you probably you. got it from Wolfie. And I think Wolfie probably posted it to beat the news outlets. Yeah. Because the news media can be vultures anyway. And Wolfie especially seems to take a, a, a pile of crap on the internet that he does not deserve. So he got out in front of it and he had a really touching post yesterday about his dad dying at the age of 65. Probably not the most unexpected passing. I mean, he's been battling cancer for 20 years now. Um, and cancer, as we all know, even if you beat it, it can always come back. And when it comes back, sometimes it comes back with a vengeance. And people who've beaten it in the past have, have gone on for a few years. It comes back, and sometimes they're gone just months later. So cancer, a, it's a horrible, horrible disease, as we all know. But, yeah, Eddie, I think it was 2000, 2001 that he started dealing with uh, was it tongue cancer or throat cancer? I can never remember the which cancer. I want to say tongue, but I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and he 
you know, he, he, he lived with it for, for 20 years. And, you know, we always used to joke about, he, he would say that he got it from chewing on his guitar picks when he would put it in his mouth so he could finger tap. Obviously, they're not obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I would say all the smoking and drinking probably had more to do with it, but that's neither here nor yeah. there now. The, the man is gone. And, and I tell you, after you told me this yesterday, it was, it was a blow. You're yeah, obviously I'm, a lot younger and weren't there for the Van Halen A-Day, but when you're my age, teenagers in, in the early 80s, I mean, Van Halen was the band. Just like teenagers in 1977, which I know you also don't understand, Kiss was the band. And before that, it was Zeppelin was the band. In 1981, in 1982, 1983, I mean, Van Halen was the band. I put on Instagram yesterday that uh, there was a movie that came out in 1982, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I highly suggest even almost 40 years later, if you haven't seen it, it's one of the funniest movies ever made. But at the end of the movie, the main character, Jeff Spicoli, who is played by Sean Penn, he saves somebody from drowning and gets reward money. And, you know, they do the thing where they, they print whatever happened to on the screen at the, during the closing credits. And it says, you know, Jeff Spicoli rescued so-and-so from drowning. He spent all of his reward money hiring Van Halen to play his birthday party. <laughs> so that's, that's just shows you just the, the level that Van Halen was back then. And obviously throughout the eighties, you know, they, they had a lead singer change in 1986. I know you're more of a Sammy guy, which is totally cool because to me, they're two different bands. I would agree that they're two different bands. For sure. You're a Sammy guy, which is cool. That happened in 1986. Sammy was with him for only 10 years, which is actually longer than if you, if you, if you're just talking about when they got started as a, as a, as a major release band, 1978 was when Van Halen one came out. David Lee Roth left in 85 and then Sammy joined in 86. He was with him for 10 years. He was actually with him longer than David Lee Roth was. And uh, a side note, kind of unrelated, but it's still Van Halen-y. Um, it was just a couple weeks ago that the original bass player, Mark Stone, also passed away. He did. Um, and I was surprised he, when like, I read that, that when he um, was in the band, Eddie sang lead. Yeah, he like he was early on in the he was before uh david lee roth and as, like you said and of course uh michael anthony is the bass player van halen but um it, it, it is interesting that they kind of happen so close to each other but I, that just kind of pops in my head while you're talking about that yeah he also passed away of cancer and yeah it's crazy that eddie sang lead at one time because he was not the world's greatest singer i remember him even saying in an interview once that he could hit a note <laughs> and that's, you know, if he needed to do that for background vocals and he did background vocals, him and Michael, both um, Michael Anthony is, you know, obviously his vocals are legendary. Um, but yeah, Eddie could, he could hit a note, but he, there's a, there's a song on Van Halen three, which is the album that Gary Sharon sang lead vocals on that Eddie sings. It's just a slow ballad and uh, God bless him. It's not the greatest vocal in the world, but yeah, the, uh the best song that Eddie does his lead vocals on is the eruption because uh, well. <laughs> that wasn't his game. Although, his, his game was the guitar, right? Although um, 
you say, um, you know how the other day we were talking about uh, Chris Cornell, um, not the other day, the other, and we were, and a lot of people, you were mentioning how the thing that everyone was doing was they were playing uh, Black Hole Sun Live. The thing that you're seeing on the internet now is all the guitar players testing their hands. And I was, I was wondering and, about that. Um, you know, when Prince died, it was everybody saying Purple Rain, Chris Cornell, it was Black Hole Sun. However, internet guitarists aside, what are they going to do when it's like the Grammys or, I mean, what all your, all your major singers and whatnot, they can't, they can't do anything with that. Like they did black hole sun or purple rain. They, it's going to have to just be a guitar player tribute. It is. Um, that is, that is a good, good question. Um, now I will say somebody th- like uh, like an Adam Levine, somebody like that, that you don't really think of as a guitar player. A kid can play guitar as 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 horrible as Maroon Five is. He's he's a really good guitar player. I could see someone like him pulling out some some band or a, tribute videos. a John Mayer, right? Is another guy. Um, but they're probably gonna mess it up and have like Ariana Grande play "Jump" on the piano. <laughs> right. Be like, yeah, Eddie wrote. I mean, he uh, he wrote the jump. You know what it'll um, be? It'll be like right now. Everybody will start singing right now possible um right that's a that's a heckin good piano riff it's totally good and, and that's what you know eddie obviously his game was the guitar um as the 80s went along and 1984 came out he tried his hands at the old keyboards and as a 15 year old when when 1984 came out 14 year old um the first single off of 1984 was of course jump and all of us, you know, hardcore Van Halen fans from back in the day, we were like, what's going on? Um, but, but even Jump, it's, it's obviously got a very cool, catchy keyboard riff. It's also got a killer guitar solo. And I've always regarded it as one of the greatest videos ever made because it's literally just those guys playing a performance video on a black soundstage. There's no, there's no story. There's no fancy background. It's just Van Halen showed up with a cooler of beer and played jump a few times in front of some video cameras. And that was the video. <laughs> and I, I still think that that's the greatest video ever made. The rumor was always that they spent more money on the, uh, on the beer than they did the actual production of the video. But yeah. yeah. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say, um, I know you and I off, off air have a lot of uh, debates on the greatest the like the top five greatest guitar players and i always kind of give eddie a lot of slack um i i hit him with the uh joke that you like to make about my progressive band where he just plays the scales really fast <laughs> um and i think i've also been on record on this podcast coming after van halen many a time um but most of that's just because of david lee roth and kind of the uh post van halen eddie uh antics where the the feuding with the Sammy Hagar and all that stuff, but all that aside, there is no uh, denying how good he was at the guitar. I mean, I'm still gonna take Slash because Slash is my guy. But uh, well, he, he changed he, he the can, way guitar players he played did. for a good 15 years. I mean, he did. Um, and he, throughout the 80s, everybody was trying to be Eddie Van Halen. And like you, you just think of like the like even playing aside just like solely like the influence that he had on a, an entire generation of guitar players and at this point and now 
and I still, I was feeling. And if yeah. you if you looked at Instagram at all yesterday, it was, I mean, every band was posting their Eddie Van Halen tribute. I mean, every band. Yeah, um, and like, and he did like Eddie's done sound like he makes sounds that he doesn't know how he's making. He's just like pressing <laughs> buttons and flicking switches and turning knobs and it just turns out to be what it is. I guess that's what it is now. Yeah, it's unreal. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Jimi Hendrix last week and, and I, I'm, I, I'm still on record as saying, you know, rock and roll is not a competition, but, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy invented basically electric guitar playing in rock and roll. So I'm always going to take Jimmy as number one, but 1A to me, it's Eddie Van Halen. It's just got to be. And a friend of mine last night was like, well, you know, Jimmy didn't have the songs. And I'm like, well, you need to listen to more Jimmy. But, but and, Van and Jimmy had a, I mean, Eddie was a prime of three years. That's true. That's true. There's no telling what would have happened had he lived. But, you know, Eddie was a great songwriter. Um, the, the, just the sounds. He had the, the look. I mean, you look at that Frankenstein guitar and the background that I'm using right now, that, that look lives on. Um, he was always just, he was also a guy that when you looked at all the Van Halen posters from the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, like all the dudes wanted to be him and all the girls wanted to date him. Like he, he had the cute smile. I mean, every girl was in love with Eddie Van Halen and then, and, you know, the lead singer usually always gets the, the attention and I'm sure David Lee Roth did fine with the ladies, but Eddie was, he was the cute one in that band. And, you know, you ask any girl who's, who's, you know, my age or around my age, and they're going to pick Eddie every time for that reason. They could care less how he plays guitar. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's one of those rare cases where the, the front man's not the singer, if that makes sense. Right, right. Um, he was the star. I mean, yeah, the, the band's named after him mostly because, I mean, him and Alex started it before there was a David Lee Roth in the picture, but it, oh, it was, is Eddie's band. It was great when David Lee Roth left the band and he didn't want them to use the name anymore. And I don't know if he said it to them um, personally or if he sent it through lawyers, but Eddie's response was, F you, it's my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, Van Halen lived on. And I always wonder, you know, the as Sammy left the band and then they feuded and, and, you know, legendary, you know, they didn't talk for years. And, and I really do hope that they had a chance to, to make their peace before Eddie died. But, you know, I got to think Sammy had been a lead singer successfully for close to 20 years when he joined Van Halen. Eddie was the star of Van Halen. As, as much as Sammy comes off as the aw shucks, nice guy that could never do any wrong. I'm sure there was a little ego clashing there too. Um, but you, you mentioned the, uh, Sammy and Eddie, I, Sammy did post a picture on his, on his social medias, um, and really not worrying about the caption, but the picture does look fairly like it's not an old picture. They're both old men in it. Um, there appears they're on a plane and Eddie has his arm around him. So for whatever yeah, that's worth. Yeah, I'm thinking it was probably from the last tour they did, which would have been like 2004. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, I, I do hope there was at least a phone call or, or a text exchange or something because that's, you know, somebody that you're that close to for that long and 
you know, I've, in my life, I've got a, a friend from college who's actually, I've known since kindergarten. I haven't spoken to him since college. He graduated college, left town, and I have not spoken to him in almost 30 years. And it's not like we had a feud. He just kind of disappeared out of my life. And, you know, I always think it's sometime I'd like to, you know, just run into him on the street someday or, you know, run into him online or something and say, hey, you know, no hard feelings. Hope everything's cool. You know, and I, I just hope that they got to do that. Who knows? Yeah. I, I'm sure there was something um, behind the scenes that we'll probably never see the light of day or something like that. Probably. Like you said, a yeah, phone, a phone call or a text, know. an email. I mean, who knows? And I really, I uh, thought of Wolfie a lot yesterday because, like I said, Wolfie, he, he's, the, he's the only child of, of Eddie and Valerie Bertinelli. Um, he toured with Van Halen twice playing bass in Michael Anthony's place. First time he was only, I think like 16. Um, he also toured in 2012, which would have made him right around 20 or so. Cause I think he's, I think he's pushing 30. Well, his birthday is part of the 1991 album. So he'll be 30 next year, but yeah, he takes a lot of flack on, on, on a uh, social media on Twitter and Instagram. The cool thing is he's witty enough to really throw yeah, it back is. in people's faces. He does a very, very good job of putting people in their place. He's fun. Um, he's, he's a fun Twitter follow. He really is. But it's just quote tweeting, just people like whether they're like just serious, like um, just random internet people that have nothing better to do or they're just trolls. Um, he, he just kind of, he's like, that's my favorite. Um, it's, like you can't troll a troll, like right. da, da, da. like if you try to troll a troll, they're just like, oh, I'm better at this than you, and then they flip it on you, and you're like, oh gosh. Um, but yeah, he he is good at that. Yeah, I thought of him a lot yesterday. I hope uh, hope hope this isn't you know, obviously it's it's his dad, and it's going to be super hard. But yeah, I hope he rebounds okay, and I know he's still got his mom that he's real close to. So yeah, let's move on to happier news. What do you say? Uh, yeah, go for it. Um, we have new uh, ACDC. I'm going to just straight up. I knew that this was not going to be the case the second that I, like, saw the title. Um, but, I was, like, there's, like, a small sliver of me that was hoping that they just covered Shot in the Dark. <laughs> that that would have been odd. <laughs> it would have, but I, you, you hope. I'm not even sure I can, I can uh, visualize that. that that's um, kind of like what a... That's what I was, I was like, yes, this, this could be so cool. I mean, I, I knew it was an original, but. Yeah, no, this, um, is, a, this is a straightforward ACDC song. This could yeah, honestly be uh, any ACDC song from the last 30 years, but. That, that is typically. It's still ACDC I, and I still love it. Yeah, I was going to say like, um, whenever I find myself having to do, uh, talk about an album, you know, I, I always accidentally say like, like I said it last week or last when we were talking about the Cedar album, like it's it's Cedar. Um, they don't stray too far away from their right their formula. And that's ACDC created that. Um, just finding one sound, taking maybe four chords to use over fifty years, and just going, all right, this is what we're doing now. It is, but they make it work um, this, better than anyone. This is their first album since Rocker Bus came back in two thousand sixteen. And as we know, Brian Johnson had to leave that tour. He left, I didn't realize this, after the Kansas City show, 
from his hearing issues that he blames on having his eardrum punctured because um, he likes to, he likes to do the racing, but that apparently caused his I can't even imagine the pain that that would cause anyway. But he had to leave that tour, as we all remember. Axel Rose had to finish that tour, and that's when he remember he broke his ankle and he had to use Dave Grohl's throne to uh, to finish that tour. And honestly, I've, I, I think I've, I don't know that I've ever seen video of him singing on that tour. I know when we saw Guns, they did a whole lot of Rosie. So we know what it sounds like for Axel to sing ACDC. But I don't know that I've ever actually watched video of him on, from that tour. I have a hard time yeah, watching YouTube videos of when people shoot it on their cell phone. Yeah, that's, um, I'm sure you can find a pro shot somewhere. There's got to be. Um, like, yeah. I, if they played at any festival or anything like that, there's definitely one. But, because, um, yeah, I, I always, I also have a hard time watching. Oh, yeah, because people, people are, with the exception of a few, there's, there's a, now, I, I say this in my mind, I, we all hate the person who's standing right in front of us taking video of the whole song yeah. we all we all hate that however especially when there's no live music going on we all want to go on youtube and look for something <laughs> that was shot really really well and unfortunately it would be that guy that would be getting yeah. that video but 99 percent of people that shoot videos at concerts they're turning the camera on themselves so they can sing along with the song and it's shaky and they're turning it and it it's just, you just want to reach through the video and slap them. Yeah, and but. some of them have the issue um, that, like, the, the concert's too loud for the iPhone camera, so There's very over-modulated and crackly. And, mm -hmm. so, and you're just like, yeah. Yeah, you just, you just, I, I, part of me wishes that they would just take the cell phones at the door and nobody could do it. But like I said, when, when you can't watch any live music and you're like, oh, I'd really like to see some video of, uh, you know, whatever show. And you're, you're thankful for that one guy that takes it seriously and yeah. <laughs> stands there um, very still and holds his phone sideways like you're supposed to and shoots his video properly. But there is um, one thing that I do like to do. Um, I haven't done it in, in like a good minute, but I, I kind of went through a little phase where I was almost watching a concert per night. You can find... Uh, a lot of pro shot full concerts so it's like um like i know i've seen a couple ones of uh trivium where they're in a festival playing during the day but they played six eight songs and it's just like a 45 minute long right. video yeah there's pro plenty shot. of those out there usually it, from europe it, yeah and it, it doesn't cut anything out so you get to hear uh matt heafy talk to the crowd in french or whatever european language he speaks in and then he yeah, I feel goes like back in, they play their song, so it's like download, Rock and Ring, yeah, yeah. those are all those really good about having videos online that are pre yeah. shot stuff. And the crowds so, are um, nobody's bothering to film with their phones because they're all waving their flags. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's the, the guy that's carrying their phone in front of you, holding their phone up in front of you, is like the least of your concern. right. <laughs> Can you put your flag down? There's the, the flag in front of you, you look to your uh, right five feet there's a wall of death about to <laughs> hit each other and then to your left there's a circle pit and you're just like fearing for your life because uh 
you know, you're a Vakin. So, yeah, Judas Priest is about to play Painkiller, and you're just like, oh, gosh. This album, I think, comes out in January. The gang is back. It's Brian Johnson. Phil Rudd's got his legal stuff behind him. They talked Cliff Williams out of retirement, and Stevie Young, the nephew, is on rhythm guitar taking Malcolm's place. So, yeah, new ACDC. It's, it's just one of those things that it's always comforting that they're there. ACDC is such a legendary band. They've got it's, – it's just that, that it's always steady ACDC. They never change their logo. Angus never changes the schoolboy outfit. It, you know what you're going to get, and it's always going to be awesome. Yeah, like, like I said, same four chords for 50 years, but they're the only band that could ever get away with that, and here they are. That's right. All right, so after we recorded this, we talked about this on the last show, we recorded like the day before the album came out. Yeah, um, yeah, it was either the day before, it was the week of or something like that. Uh, I don't think either of us realized how soon it was coming out when we talked about it. We were just like, oh, we haven't talked about these singles yet. Right. And then we're talking about it. We're like, oh, by the way, this comes out like tomorrow. Um, Again, we don't put a lot of production, uh, <laughs> pre-production into the show. We just kind of fly well, I think this works out better because um, when you w- like when you wake up on a Friday and you're like, okay, we're recording at three, that gives me an, like, I'll listen to the album once or twice. Um, you don't really get to uh, fully uh, digest it necessarily. But uh, they released it and it was like a hard time everywhere. So it was midnight, I want to say in the Eastern time zone. And so I got to get, I got, I, I got to listen to it before I went to bed that night. And then I was traveling uh, the next day. So then I listened to it once in the album, uh, in the car ride. And I've just given it a couple top to bottom listens since then. And it is quite the fun album. Um, I've been a Deftones fan basically since I saw them at Point Fest in 2016, 2015, maybe. Um, kind of during the first uh, leg of the Gore tour. I've been a, been a huge Deftones fan. And this album is just kind of keeping, it's the first album since Gore, so we've been a little bit overdue. Uh, I've been waiting for them, but then they finally released it. They teased it, dropped two singles, and released it. Like It almost seemed like all in the same month. It was very, very soon. But... Uh, some of the album, some of the songs, like of course the singles that they released, Genesis and Ohms, at the top and the bottom are both really good ones. I still think that that Ohms one is one of my favorite Deftones riffs that they have yet. Just kind of like the, um, not necessarily like the opening, like descending riff, just the uh, what they're playing during the verses. I love that riff. The other fun songs, I think Error is a really, really good one. Uh, Ceremony is also another really good one. But it's only 10 tracks long, um, you know. What's the runtime on 40, that? 40, 45, 46 minutes. You can get it done in a 45-minute block, so that's, that's great. Uh, the Spell of Mathematics, also another cool song. Deftones uh, stays doing that thing that they – where, like, none of the titles really make any sense. Like, you have Genesis, Ceremony, okay, then Urantia, Urantia, uh Bell of Mathematics, Tom Pay, but with a J in there. It, it, they just, it's like they just they're like just sitting there, just like playing like an like a random number generator, just picking out sounds. <laughs> just saying, all right, this works. 
Um, but Chino sounds great. The riffs are great. They're, they uh, they like to use their nine string guitars, but they they don't do it in like the way that a deathcore band does it, where it's just chugging on the uh, I don't even know what the ninth string is at the moment off the top of my head. Um, it's a it's a D string, I think, a low D, pretty sure. Um, but that's not that's in standard tuning. You know, they're not standard tuning. But uh, yeah. The riffs are great. I think Chino sounds great. Um, and that's really about it. Like I said, Ohms has one of my favorite uh, Deftones riffs. That's kind of like uh, my big thing. I, I kind of, I not want to say predicted it, but whenever I heard this song, I was like, I feel like this is going to be the song from this album that like I, uh, I hold on to, just because the way that it's constructed is I, I really like it. Yeah, I dig this album a lot. Um, I think Genesis probably is still my favorite cut from the album. But it really wants me, it really gets me wanting to see them live again. You know, I've said this before, the one time that I have seen them, it was opening for Guns N' Roses. And I, I, I just couldn't even focus on Deftones that night. I, yeah. They could have had anyone open then they could have the stones open and I would have been like, Oh my God, guns and roses. But so, you know, no disrespect to Deftones. It just wasn't where my head was that night. So yeah, really, really am looking forward to live music, hopefully returning so we can see some, some live Deftones. I know you've, yeah. you've been right there in the pit for them. No. And it, it's funny that you say that you saw them opening for guns and roses because my first time seeing Deftones, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Not only were they opening for Avenged Sevenfold, and this was, this was my first and only time seeing Avenged Sevenfold, so I was excited for that. They played after a band called Ghost, which... Um, I keep forgetting that. I keep as, forgetting they were part as, of that show. As people know, I'm a big fan of Ghost. Um, and that's when I discovered Ghost. So, like, Deftones playing. I'm like, I didn't know any Deftones songs outside of, like, maybe Hole in the Earth, and they didn't play that so I was like okay I don't know any of these songs and I just kept like replaying Monstrance Clock in my head the entire time <laughs> like that was an awesome way to end that show and then then Seven Cold comes out and opens with Shepherd of Fire and you're like oh gosh uh, you, you, like I don't remember a single thing from that Death Tone show but um and then they were I was supposed to see them I think this September um out here but uh, as we know, like in this, uh, this was like they announced this tour back in March or something. But uh, as we know, COVID happened, and that show was supposed to be with a uh, another ba another band we like to talk about a lot, the Gojiras. Um, so that was gonna be my fourth time seeing them. I was gonna be really excited for that one because Gojira and Deftone. That's a weird mixture, but that's like a fun mixture. A so. Good show, yeah. It would have been, yeah, but um. So hopefully that comes around next summer. Yeah, solid sure, effort but. from Deftones. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we have another 50th anniversary, Jack. 1970 must have been a killer year to be a rock and roll music fan. But when we come back, we will talk about the 50th anniversary of Led Zeppelin Three. And we're back on the Way of Rock podcast in... I guess right after this, it's going to be right back to the way of ghost and trivium. But because uh, it's the five-year anniversary of Silence in the Snow, roughly uh, this month or so. I guess it's October now, but it was in uh, late September. But 
Um, we just wanted to add this one in because I would probably say this is the album that like made me a metal fan. Um, it was the first Trivium album I heard and Trivium kind of was my introduction from, okay, I listen to Breaking Benjamin to, okay, I listen to Amana Mars. So it, it's like, a, um, they were like the, the gateway there because this album is not even that heavy as far as like a Trivium album goes. It's, it's very, it's like heavier Dio. It's like basically because it, there's no unclean vocals. It's just, uh, Matt doing very like very melodic epic uh, vocals and then the music behind that is you know Blind Leading the Blind has one of the best Trivium riffs in Trivium history Until the World Go Cold, Goes Cold is one of their biggest songs um, Dead and Gone is one of my favorite favorite Trivium songs and then uh I think the bonus tracks on this album are awesome. Seize All Your Fire and The Darkness of My Mind are two kind of uh, like songs you're never going to hear live because, of course, they're bonus tracks. But I think those are also two uh, epic songs. But yeah, I mean, this was because I went from I went from this album, basically, then started listening to Ascendancy, which is, uh, you know, an early 2000s metalcore album. And then that kind of turned into my uh multi-year metal obsession that we're on um but yeah that's a uh, that's silence in the snow by the triviums if i planned ahead i could have worn my trivium shirt but here we are yeah do you even have that with you i do i made sure to bring it i won't ca- won't catch yeah, me without a trivium i thought shirt. Yeah, i know you texted me about it the other day but i was like eh, five years i'm 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 honestly getting a little weary on album anniversaries anyway <laughs> And I don't even know it half the time. I just see it on somebody else's Instagram. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, because who knows? When, and albums come out at different dates in different countries anyway. That's true. So, yeah. yeah, I I, I, I kind of ignored you when you texted that the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Five years. And you, know, you blink your eye and five years are gone. But yeah, we have another 50th anniversary. And I think I'm going to make a new rule. We only talk about 50th anniversaries from now on okay go for it but it's Um, the 50th anniversary of led zeppelin 3 so how familiar are you with this album go ahead you were gonna say something i was um gonna pause um so I'll, i'll answer your question first um before um kind of giving it a couple listens i was not very familiar with it um Zeppelin's one of those bands where, but they're they're one of those bands that I know a bunch of their songs that I don't know the names of, and I hear them on my oh yeah, I know the song. Um, I will Honestly, say the immigrant of a Zeppelin fan as I am, I'm kind of the same way. The immigrant song is one of. You know, it is because uh, they don't say it in their in the chorus. That's true. Yeah, the titles are um, never said in the song. The immigrant song is probably my favorite Zeppelin song. Um, just kind of what uh robert plant does during that song is very very fun oh what they all do um, in that song well that's yeah but what i i the other day i saw a i don't know if it was a loudwire article or just a random internet article and it was top 10 songs about vikings <laughs> <laughs> so naturally <laughs> i had to give it a listen not a listen uh a read a read and of course number one was an amana mars 
song. Of it's got to be the immigrant song. Come on. Well, immigrant song was on it. Um, but um, I'm on, I was talking to my uh, friends the other day just about like the weird different subgenres of metal. And I was like, yeah, there's pirate metal and Viking metal, except Viking metal has one band and it's just Amon Amarth and that's it. But um, I just angered an entire subgenre. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, this album starts off, as you said, with the immigrant song, which is the, the usual Zeppelin thunder. They just come right out of the gate just, and that song's only what, two and a half minutes but just like driving Zeppelin force. And then it immediately takes a left turn. And you go into a couple of acoustic kind of folky rock songs. You got Friends, you got Celebration Day. Which so, is the, um, what's the one I'm thinking of? The inspiration behind uh, our favorite Zeppelin cover band. We do have a Zeppelin tribute band in town called Celebration Day. They are a killer band. Um, they used to play quite a bit. Obviously, nobody's really playing right now, but they they got big enough where they only play once a year now in town, and they yeah. they, they play a, a twenty five hundred seat venue a couple of nights out of the year. So they do quite well with with the Zeppelin tribute celebration day, which I think is a very they cool do quite well with every tribute they that do. they have. They're, they have many many tributes, and and if anyone has ever heard of El Monstero, it's mostly the same guys. They also do celebration day. But I think it's quite an inspirational uh, name for the band too, because so many tribute bands have the the cheesy kind of pun of of the name of the band. And uh, staying on the topic of uh, of that realm, street fighting band right. um, is their Stones Which, one. Speaking of, it's coming back in some form for one show. I don't know Excellent. if I told you that. I don't know how it's going to be done. I don't know if the band's going to Australia where the current lead singer of that band lives. I don't know if he's coming home for a spell. I'm not sure what's going on. But there was a post just a couple of days ago about Street Fighting Band coming back. But getting back to Zeppelin, they take that left turn into a couple folk songs with Friends and Celebration Day. And then it goes right into a slow, drippy blues with Since I've Been Loving You, which I've gone on record many many times as saying to me robert plant is the greatest rock vocalist ever and i know everybody's got you know there's there's a lot of great rock and roll voices you got your rob halford you've got your your ronnie james dio's you've got your bruce dickinson's the, the, the list goes on and on with great rock vocalists but to me nobody evokes emotion like robert plant does and so he's also, he also not only does he hit the notes but the, the man gives me chills when he sings, especially a slow, drippy blues song like Since I've Been Loving You. And to me, the only one that comes close to that is Chris Cornell. Those two people, when they sing, it, it literally just gives me goosebumps. But then after that, you go into a, a John Bonham written song, and that's out on the tiles, which gets, it's, a, it's another rocker. And, you know, I don't know that John Bonham really got to write a lot. Um, but John Bonham was such a great drummer and he could, he played, he, he almost made melodies with his drums. And, you know, I know you, you know, the song, you know, the song Moby Dick, which is a 12 bar of blues that John Bonham then turned into a, what, like a half hour drum solo live. Um, but Bonham in my book is the greatest rock drummer as well. And I know there's a ton of them. 
and I don't know if you saw any of the the stuff online on Stern a couple of weeks ago, they had a debate about who the greatest rock drummer was, John Bonham or Neil Peart. And they they argued back and forth with callers calling in and it, it was a little biased because Howard hates Rush. So he kind of dismisses Neil Peart. He doesn't really understand how great of a drummer Neil Peart is. But they they brought in Lars Ulrich the next day, who who gave Neil his his uh his proper tribute. But Lars also chose John Bonham. Um, before you go in a little bit and I just kinda of thought of something. Do you think it's possible that any other drummer like ever enters that conversation? Cause like, maybe, no, like I'm just thinking maybe Ginger Baker. Okay. Um, I mean, I was, I I was just kind of thinking like, uh, but I mean, we, when you when you talk about the greatest of all time at any position, I mean not position, uh, sports, at a at an instrument. It you like you never hear uh, newer guys at all. It's always yeah. the it's always the nostalgia, and like what I'm thinking of is like the only drummer from my period that like is like commonly known as not not necessarily like that's like so much like more popular in his band. Not to say that Jimmy Page and Robert Plant were like you know what I'm saying like he was one of the guys is. Travis Barker and no one would ever say okay Travis Barker. Oddly enough they did bring up Travis Barker. Did they bring okay. They did and, um, and Travis is a monster on drums. You know who they didn't is. bring up which really really surprised me that at least Lars didn't bring I knew why Howard wouldn't bring it up because they're not on his radar but Danny Carey was never mentioned. That, that's one that was I thought you were about to uh, lead in and mentioned the rev i didn't even think danny yeah, carey that's, that's um, what i thought there. you were going to say when you said travis barker but yeah they yeah. did talk about travis barker howard's a big travis barker fan because like uh, um i was gonna say like kind of on the topic of event of events so like you won't if like someone's like all right these are the top five guitarists they're not going to put sinister gates on it but like most guitar people know that like this guy's one of the greatest right. finger movers of all time like he's right up there with all of them just he's not a guitar player but i think it gets to be where and they brought this up with 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 bonham um you know there's so many great players whether you're talking about guitar drums singers whatnot but you get in you have to start i guess talking about their their iconic songs and you know even talking getting back to eddie van halen i remember when in high school there was all the the progressive guys that were always into Ingve Malmsteen, and Ingve Malmsteen is a great guitar player, I'm sure. I couldn't tell you one in Ingve Malmsteen song. I, I don't know anything about him. I know he's from Sweden and he's supposedly a real jerk. That's 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 the the furthest and and that's because there there's no iconic Ingve Malmsteen songs. And I love Avenged Sevenfold. You know that. But when you're talking about the great guitar players, you know, what, what iconic Avenged Sevenfold songs do you break out for, for the argument? Or for that matter, when you're getting back to drums, you know, Rush fans are going to disagree because Rush fans are rabid and they know every note of every Rush song. But 
what iconic Rush songs are you going to throw out to argue with the iconic Zeppelin songs? Yeah. You know, um, and I know it's a band thing. I know it's not just John Bonham. It's not just Neil Peart. It's not just Sinister Gates. It's a team effort. But, but I, I, ju I just think that plays into the debate a little bit. And of, and of course, whenever you, like whenever people make their top five greatest insert whatever here, it's always their opinion because there's no way to quantify greatness per se, right? Um, like you can't really argue Bonham versus Peart because they're two different Yeah, it's styles. kind of apples and oranges. And, and Lars brought like, that up too. It's, it's, they're, they, they play two completely different styles. Like if you go, if you go like skill for skill, Neil's probably a more talented drummer. Right. But that part of that's because his style of music allowed him to show that off. Like there's no, nothing saying that John Bottom couldn't, listen to a, a rush song and be like okay and then start doing that and then he just it wasn't his style of of music to do that um it's like kind of the same thing like every time that we argue whether it's eddie van halen versus slash eric right. clapton or tony yeah, iomi two different things yeah like if which is kind of why I've, i'm i'm never really big on those debates anyway because yeah you know, i mean it's fun discussion so, but you can't yeah it's so subjective and different 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 music evokes different emotions from you and you know i used to always have a debate with someone about about van halen and they were a big bob dylan fan and i'm like well it's two different things you know you listen to bob dylan for for the poetry and the emotion and and whatnot you listen to van halen to drink beer and you know play softball at the park and and chase girls and stuff it's one's party music and one is you know just sit back and think music it's it's two different things and, and rush is the same way it's rush isn't zeppelin they're two completely different bands yeah and kind of staying on the topic of zeppelin um so i think that uh, i think this the sentence that jimmy page is underrated is a little goofy um but like jimmy page is also in that that conversation of but once again he's like there's no evidence to a show if Jimmy Page could sit down and be like, oh, eruption, okay, and then do that and be like, okay, yes, I can also do that because it's just a different style of... Well, it's it's funny you say that because as I was kind of reading about this album and, you know, they did take that acoustic turn and brought in some different instruments and, and John Paul Jones is legendary for being a multi-instrumental, you know, player. He's He's not just a bass player. He plays the mandolin on these albums he plays some uh, synth um, later on in, in Zeppelin years. He he did a lot of the heavy lifting because Jimmy was kind of out of it. Um, but John Paul Jones is is an amazing musician. You know, Bonham being one of the greatest drummers of all time. Robert Plant with his singing ability on this album and then then the next couple of albums, he really emerges as what 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 I think he, he's one of the great lyricists in rock and roll ever. Like I you can take the music out of Led Zeppelin and just sit down and read Jimmy P or Robert Plant's lyrics and, and they're just pure poetry. And he didn't write every song on this album. Um, Jimmy wrote one, John Bonham wrote one, a couple of them were covers, but you really start seeing that ability of Robert Plant to write lyrics. And a thought occurred to me, and it's just a thought, I'm not saying it's an opinion, but it occurred to me 
is it possible that Jimmy Page is the least talented member of Led Zeppelin? <laughs> I mean, you could, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird thinking that, but then at the same time, you're like, it, that was a very talented quartet of uh It really was. was. And Jimmy produced these albums too. Like so. you, you think of Molly Crew and not to take any shots at Molly Crew, but like, the most talented one is Tommy Lee and how talented is Tommy Lee? Like he's a musician. He's right. a professional musician. He's, he can play he's, anything. But like every song is written by Nicky Six, who basically did it while he was dying in a closet. <laughs> then you have Mick Mars who is Mick Mars. I mean, is you, you think of uh, the, the classic saying there's levels to this. I mean, and nothing against Motley Crue because Shout at the Devil is one of the most fun songs that exists, but uh, you, you, you think of it like Jimmy Page is the least talented, like that's such a weird thing to say, but then you like, you look into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, awesome. it's, it's possible. Yeah. And you know, John Bonham died so young. We'll never know again what, what would have happened with his potential. Um, you know, he fit a, a ton of killer music into 32 years. So it's almost an argument you can't make, but yeah, that thought just occurred to me. I'm like, Oh, he's in a band with John Paul Jones and Robert Plant. And Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, what, what if, what if, what if he's not the guy, but you know, it either way, Zeppelin, Zeppelin's just, you know, how I am with Zeppelin. I'm, I'm a total Zeppelin geek, but Led Zeppelin three, I think it just really started opening some doors. You know, those first couple albums, they had a lot of, they reworked some blues songs. It was covers you know, it was just uh, a lot of 12-bar blues stuff going on. But, yeah, Led Zeppelin 3 really opened up the door that you'd see with Led Zeppelin 4. And then, you know, on, on, on to the rest of them, Houses of the Holy and Physical Graffiti, et cetera. Yeah, and they're, um, I think, in, in Zeppelin's uh, little gimmick where they, they're, they're, they just have albums, Zeppelin 1, Zeppelin 2, Zeppelin 3, Zeppelin 4, I think that's, uh, you know, they, they didn't even name Zeppelin 4. It was just, it was untitled. People call it Zeppelin 4 because it was the fourth album. Kind of like the, the White Album by the Beatles is not called the White Album. It's just the Beatles. I guess then it's Weezer's a like, album. Yeah. <laughs> then Weezer's like, we have the Blue Album and the Green Album. I was like, shut up, Weezer. Yeah, because they all suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, though in Weezer's defense, those are the early ones that weren't terrible. Um, Weezer has three good songs. It's in a range. It's in the range of three to five. Three. I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, I. I don't disagree with the sentiment that. Um, I will go on air and say the Way of Rock podcast is an anti Weezer podcast. With that being said, um, well, yeah, and, yeah. and and we are, but <laughs> somebody who we are quite close to who has seen Weezer live just told me within the last couple of weeks that they are incredibly boring in concert. I, I'm sure they Somebody are. Somebody who defends Weezer all the time, who you know, who we constantly make fun of for liking Weezer. But seriously, it's Hash Pipe, it's Buddy Holly, and I guess you close with Say It Ain't So and you say goodnight. Those three, but I'm not against, um, I'm not against throwing, okay, so you have, not against throwing like an island in the sun in there, you know, that's a, it's a fun one. It's, it's a little, it's a vibey. Yeah. It's, but it, okay. I, um, while we're on our little Weezer deep Your dive, thoughts I, on pork and beans. 
I don't know if I know how that song goes on the top of my it head. It goes like all of them. <laughs> Terrible. But, like, modern Weezer is just bad. It's Most like early Weezer even... is bad, too. <laughs> Like and then they have their covers album, which is also terrible. Like, oh don't yeah, want to that, come that, after Weezer too if, hard. If, but. if I could have ever been resurrected from hating Weezer, that covers album it it just drove it back down and sealed the fate. There's there's no redemption in me at this point. Like they they covered Toto. Oh no, Africa. Yeah, I forget how that. That's Toto. Also, yeah, well, yeah, but Which I... Which was a terrible song forget, in 1982, by the way. I always forget that um, Toto's the band and not the... Uh, They're a very forgettable band. They, let's put it this way. In 1982, that was a huge hit somehow. In 1982, Van Halen was still on top of the world. Yeah, I don't really... And I also don't necessarily vibe with their new album being called Van Weezer. I don't... I, I just... Stop this. Um Sorry, Weezer. That was that was a really harsh way to end this. Um, Weezer fans, you can send your hate mail to <laughs> it's the way of rock at gmail.com. You can also Please. hit us up on our socials and post hate comments. If they, I mean, honestly, just go ahead and do the the retweet quote tweet thing, and just um, all that free press. <laughs> All that we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's the way of rock. You can listen to us anywhere. We are now, I forgot to tell you this, Jack. We are now on Amazon podcasts. Amazon podcast. You didn't even know Amazon had podcasts, did you? You could say I didn't know that they did, <laughs> but like hearing that they did, that they do, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I think it just started to be honest. Um, we got an email that invited us to join. So I don't know that it's, that it's been around for that long. I don't know. It's part of Amazon music, which I don't have. So I don't, I don't know how it works, but you Only can find us on Amazon. Netflix podcast makes their way. Right. But yeah, anywhere you can find podcasts, just type in the way of rock podcast and, and you can listen to us there. You can also go to it's the way of rock.com. We've got an embedded player right there. And every time we upload an episode, it goes right to the website and you can listen straight from there. Yes. Got any closing thoughts? Um, no, I was trying to do some research and see if I could give a little billboard of uh, upcoming new music, but I can't really well, find Well, I've got one that I just saw I right before we went to air. Billy F. Gibbons is, um, he's got a new video that he's premiering. So I don't know if it's a new song. I don't know if he's got a new album coming and out. The, uh, the DJ Ashba single. Ah, yes, DJ Ashba. I don't know if that's out yet or which, um, that leads no, me to believe that's out on the 16th. Okay, um, that so leads me to believe so from today. And that, um, the album comes out in November. Okay, but I was gonna say that leads me to believe that the 6 a.m. thing is just kind of, a, kind of a one off. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have a hard, hard time seeing DJ Ashba and James Michaels for that matter doing that while there's a 6 a.m. album coming out. So um, I think that kind of answers that question that we were speculating the other week. But yeah, that's, uh, I think that's everything. All right. Well, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Say goodbye, Jack. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what's the, uh, what, what's the thing to say? I don't know. Have a good 
couple the, weeks. The joke is when I say say goodbye, Jack, you go goodbye, Jack. Oh. I see. I guess we're not on the same wavelength at the you moment. You didn't take the bait, so. <laughs> um, right. Everyone, thanks for listening. Hit us up on our socials. Drop us a line at itsthewayofrock at gmail.com. We do appreciate you, and we'll talk again soon. Take it easy, everyone.